Hello and welcome to the Next In Line podcast where we are helping to prepare you for whatever is next in line. As always, I'm your host, Chance Pitts, and would like to thank you for tuning in to this episode. Guys and gals, welcome into another episode of the podcast. As y'all know, if you've been here before, we got a little bit of housekeeping. If you receive value from this episode or any other episode of the podcast, I would ask that you share the show with some like-minded individuals who could receive the same kind of value. That's the number one way for us to grow and to reach a larger audience and, in effect, help more people. That is what we are here to do, guys. Help as many people as possible realize their full potential. Now, along with that, guys, you can also help us out by leaving a rating, review, liking, commenting, subscribing on whatever platform you find yourself listening on. Most of them have some sort of option there. And what that's going to do whenever you interact with us in that way is it's going to push us up in the search results when people look for personal development and self-help type podcasts. So again, guys, just a way for us to reach more people and help more people. Now, along with that, make sure you check us out for daily updates and all the cool things that we have going on on social media. That's at Next In Line Development on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'd love to have you there. Love to get any questions, comments, concerns that you might have through the DMs on those platforms. We're active on all of those platforms, and that is the fastest way to get to us and get a response, guys. If you have anything you need assistance with, we're more than happy to help. Don't hesitate at all. Now, along with that, you'll notice if you're watching on YouTube, there's a little bit of a difference going on. I have lost the beard. We are into the warmer months, or so I thought. It's a little colder down here in uh, South Texas today, but we are getting into the warmer months of the year. It gets really hot down here in South Texas, so trying to prepare for that, I have lost the beard. Shaved it off, went down to the mustache, and that is to... Get ready for some of these long runs that are going to be out there on the pavement in the heat. Just miserable slugging through it. Uh, This will make it a little bit easier with some of that wind being able to make contact with the face and the sweat to actually get there and make contact with the skin. Now, along with that, guys, you might notice that I am sunburned, very sunburned. We had an awesome celebration this weekend, a bachelor party for the one and only Mr. Lane Divin, who's getting married here next month. We're very excited for him. Uh, We got together and did exactly what you do at bachelor parties. We played some poker, did some fishing, did all right fishing, uh, lots of gaff top catfish out there in the bay, Um, made a terrible business plan. Man, what else can I say? We we did all of the things you typically do at a bachelor party. Um, it was very enjoyable, had a good time cutting loose, but ended up with a lot of sun, as you can see. Now, along with that, some more cool things we have going on in life right now, and just a couple of announcements to keep you all in the loop with me personally. Uh, we are one week away from being in the third trimester with our little baby girl. So super excited about that. There's still so much left to be done to prepare for her to get here in July. And Lane, my wife Lane, and I couldn't be more excited for her to get here. The bunny is still here. I remember that episode very well. It's one that was really attached to me emotionally. So the, uh, the bunny is definitely still hanging out on the table. And it'll likely be here until our baby girl is here and I can pass that thing directly to her. So... Last on the announcements list, guys, I will be pacing Mr. Dan Gilliam 
over at Cocodona 250 on May 4th and 5th. Uh, that is a 250-mile ultramarathon that runs through the heart of Arizona. He's going to be coming into the later part of the races whenever I get done with an important business uh, leadership training that I'm going to be attending the first or the fourth. So as soon as I get out of that meeting on the fourth, I'm stepping on a plane flying to Arizona. My dad's meeting me out there and we are going to go help crew slash pace for Dan out there. I'm super excited. Um, it's going to be like nothing else. It's going to be some awesome terrain. It's going to be some awesome opportunities. And then with that as well, Dan's actually running the KD225 in October uh, that I plan on running as well, which kind of is what the main topic of this podcast is, if you've seen the title, but we'll get into that a little bit later, right after we take care of one more announcement. And this is the last one, guys. I know there's been a long list today, but if you want to be part of a relay team for Habanero 100, or I guess any of the Habanero races out there, not just a relay, if you want to go run any of the distance races, it is a hot gruesome rough race out there um, it takes a lot to get through it uh, but I believe in y'all guys if you're listening to this you're trying to make yourself better um, if you have any inclination to go out there and run that race or if you want to be a part of one of our relay teams holler at me reach out on social media shoot us a direct message we'd be glad to get involved how we can we'd be glad to help you crew pace whatever we need to do to make this thing happen for you Now, guys, like I said, that's the end of the announcements, and we'll get into the heart of the episode, but I want y'all to know that the last thing I have going before I really get into the heat of my training for the KD-225 is to go out there and pace Dan in early May, and for that reason, the week after we get back, we're going to go into full swing on the KD-225. That is going to be our main focus. Everything else is going to be a means to an end to help us get there, and we will be just working very hard to make sure that we are ready for that race and everything that it's going to bring. Because this KD-225 is something we've talked about a couple of times, but really not gotten into the weeds with just yet, I wanted to do kind of a little descriptor of what exactly it is. That's a what, where, when, who, why, and the goals that surround that race specifically for me. So first and foremost, what is the KD-225? That is a 225-mile ultramarathon that I plan to take on in October of this year. It is the inaugural year for the race. It's the first time they've ever had this one, but the group that's putting this race on looks like they've really got their stuff together whenever it comes to ultras. They've done a great job with the Cowboy 200 last year. Um, It was proved to be a really good race. Had some awesome, awesome guys and gals go out there and race that Uh, And had a lot of great things to say about it. So I'm really excited about taking on this KD-225 that's put on by the same group in the next year. Along with that, guys, one of the most asked questions, do you have a week to do it, two weeks to do it? Guys, you have four days to knock out this 225-mile ultramarathon. It is a 96-hour completion time. And we'll get a little bit further into the goals there, but I'm really hoping to do better than that 96 hours and come in a little bit under the uh, timer for that one. So now that we've gone through the what, let's dive into the where. Like I said, guys, this race is in Missouri. It runs all the way across Missouri, actually. And I wanted to use some of our 
technological options here. If you can see this on the video on YouTube, you'll see that on the screen I am pulling up the map of Missouri and the Katy Trail. So this system runs from Clinton over here on the west side of Missouri all the way to St. Charles on the other side. Like I said, this race is the 225. I believe on the map they actually showed it to be 226 and a half or so. So this is going to be a very long race. This is twice any twice the length of anything I've taken on before. The only other race of significant, significant um, length, as in triple digits, is the Habanero 100 that I ran last year. And I completed it in about 26 and a half hours. Uh, that was a brutal race. Like I said, it's extremely hot and humid down there in southeast Texas where it's hosted in Sealy. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed that race. I know looking back on it, uh, it was brutal in the moment. It was very hard. At the end of it, I didn't know if I wanted to keep doing these crazy races, but it really was something that pushed me beyond my limits and got me very interested in trying to continue to do very hard things because that race was something that was not only a very challenging race for being a 100-mile ultramarathon, it was challenging because it was a 100-mile ultramarathon that had so many other variables and factors in it. The race started at noon. It, like I said, was southeast Texas in August uh, with extreme temperatures, extreme humidity, and it was all kinds of crazy out there. So it's it really opened the door into getting into these longer distances and doing some of these really cool other races that I'm starting to look at. Now, the Katy Trail follows the Missouri, Kansas, Texas railroad system that used to be uh, across those states. And because it's railroad tracks, it's relatively flat. And when I say relatively, it is really, really flat. It is well-maintained on most of the places. Uh, we should be looking at kind of a true trail system with crushed rock, uh, or gravel on most of the trails throughout the aid station. Remember, we're going 225 miles or so. The aid stations we'll be fighting with uh, and, and being able to use as supplies and support for ourselves include 12 manned, about 10 unmanned, and 12 of the manned will actually also be, or I'm sorry, five of the 12 manned aid stations will actually be sleep stations as well. Now, you have the option in some of these races to get into sleeping or not sleeping. Uh, there's a lot of different opinions on that. Many people who do not sleep during this actually end up hallucinating. They start having other issues develop from the sleep deprivation, and it becomes a huge factor in their racing as well. So it's really beneficial to get in there and get an hour or two of sleep. At least that's what all the research and the stories I've heard tell you. Uh, but if you're really looking to be competitive and have that edge and you can push it to the limits and see where you really end up with this whole thing, you might be able to push past these aid stations and not actually sleep. So along with that, guys, um, with these aid stations, any manned aid station, we can have uh, crew join us there. Uh, we can have pacers swap in and out there as well. Um, but all the unmanned aid stations are just going to be essentially water stations or lighter stations uh, with minimal and limited options there. But the crew is not allowed to join us at those locations. And while we're on that subject, uh, pulling up some of these notes on my phone I've got here, the aid stations are spaced out anywhere from, judging by the initial map that they put out, 
about 15 miles or so all the way up to about 26 miles in between these aid stations. So that's the manned aid stations, that is. So making sure that you're equipped and making sure that you've got everything that you need for this race and somewhat are self-supported um, is going to be absolutely essential in finding success out there in Missouri come October. Now, rolling on from that to the win of this, like I said, guys, it's in October. It's actually October 23rd through the 27th. It starts at 7 a.m. on the 23rd. Um, and being that it's a little bit north of us and uh, it's it's going to be a little bit different kind of climate than we're used to, we could definitely end up fighting some cold up there in October. The one good thing I really like about this race is that all of the races I've ran here recently with Brazos Bend being in April and Habanero being in the summer, all of these races, we've really had to be careful with our heat training. We've really had to dive into that side of things and just be diligent to make sure we're taking care of business in that regard, uh, carrying extra water, having to find different articles of clothing that help with cooling and, uh, and keeps the sun off of you. So you're not fighting that factor over and over. That really shouldn't be a factor in this race near as much. Um, now it will be different getting used to that cold and I'll be a little bit out of my element being that I'm training down here in central to south Texas for most of my runs um, but I'm looking forward to that change I've always enjoyed running in the cold it's not something that's bothered me I actually don't layer up as much as most people do however we'll see when that comes guys um, also another reason I'm super excited about this race being that late in October I've got a good solid six months to get ready for this race. I've been doing a lot of running. I just ran Brazos Bend. I trained pretty hard for that. I've got this big race coming up with, uh, or pacing coming up with Dan out at Cocodona. And I'm very excited to take on some of these big, big races because I feel like that's just going to help put me further ahead uh, as I get to prepare for this large training cycle that I'm going to get into. And with that said, I'm going to uh, dive into the training schedule as well here in just a little bit, so make sure you stick around with that if you're curious what it looks like to try to get ready, ready for one of these crazy races. But all in all, I think taking on this race uh, in its first year in October in Missouri is going to be something that's really beneficial to me. Maybe we'll run into some rain or some uh, less inclement or uh, some, some issues weather-wise, I should say, um, but what I'm really, really looking forward to is getting out somewhere where 100% of this trail is runnable. It's not something that you have to hike a bunch of elevations. It's not super technical. But you have to be smart whenever you go out there and run and make sure you don't overdo things because it is very flat. But it's something that's really going to test whether I have the ability to just make myself go out there and push, push, push to finish this race in the time that I want to do it. Now... Next in line on this one, getting into the who of the race. And that's where we're going to talk a little bit about pacer and crews. So one thing, we will have a daughter by then that's three months old. And my wife is talking about joining us out there possibly uh, at some point on the trails just to stop in with the daughter. Uh, so that would be really cool if we could swing that. Uh, not going to get my hopes up crazy high about that. Not going to hold her to it for sure because that's a definitely a moving target. 
There's a ton of factors that come into play on that. However, it'd be really cool to have. I think that'd be really inspirational to get me fired up out there just to see them too uh, along with us. And I mentioned crew and pacers other than my wife and future daughter as well. Um, we will have my dad. We'll most likely have Mark Wilmoth out there. We'll have uh, most likely Lane Divin, Chris Barnes, Michael Ruiz, and possibly a couple of other individuals as well, including my mom. Um, but it sounds like we're going to be surrounded by a phenomenal group of people that we've had a lot of experience running with in the past. Um, and I'm really looking forward to getting some of those guys and gals out there just to kind of give me a little bit of a mental break. Now, Pacers can come in and join us at mile 70 to 80, depending on where the aid station uh, lies for that mile marker. And they'll be running long stints. I mean, we'll be doing 15 to 26 miles or so, like I said. So these guys and girls are going to have to be in good shape. They're going to have to be ready to go. And over this course of the 225 miles, if they're up for it, these guys could definitely end up running 50 to 70 miles very, very fast uh, if they do multiple legs of this race. So huge shout out to everybody that's been supportive. If I listed you on here and you have different plans or something changed, don't feel obligated like you're being called out or like you have to come or it's set in stone. Um, this are just These are just the individuals who've mentioned wanting to go out there and wanting to support uh, our efforts out there in Missouri this October. So super excited for that. Um, always blessed to have a great group of people and a great group of individuals come out there and try to help us out. Um, I'm an extremely lucky person to have those people that run that much around me and are capable of doing these things and are willing to invest their time. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing that as several of these people that are going to come out and pace are actually running their first hundred mile races this year, potentially out at, uh, Brazos Bend 100 in December. So super excited about that. Um, it's a definitely a give and a take relationship where it's very balanced and goes both ways um, with my Pacers and crew. So thank you so much for everybody that's on that list. And hopefully we'll be able to see the wife and daughter out there as well. Now, getting into a little bit more of the personal version of this, and that is the why. I commonly get asked why in the world would you go out and make yourself run 225 miles I don't even like driving that far and you know I hear the same thing all the time but when it comes down to it guys it's more about finding my limits finding where I break down finding where I walk away you know I I've been at that point in a few spots I towards the end of habanero I was at that point. I pushed myself way too hard in the early stages. I had some issues I battled through with just little uh, tweaks of muscles and joints and um, possible injuries and, and not paying attention to my nutrition and hydration the way that I should have. And I got really close to that. But whenever you really start diving into some of this, if I would have paid better attention if I would have taken better care of myself, if I would have paced myself better in the beginning, I feel like I could have gone way, way further and handled the habanero way, way better. You know, I would have had a much better finishing time, probably much better placement. Uh, but you live and you learn. That was my first hundred miler. And it really put a hunger in me and lit a fire in me to go out and try to push myself to one of these big, bad races. And that's where Katie 
225 came in. I saw it. I saw that it was a very runnable course. I saw that it was very doable. Uh, it was in a good part of the year. It gave me plenty of time for a training schedule, like I mentioned earlier. And it just fit the bill for what I thought would be the next big challenge and the next big target for me to set my sights on. And I'm super excited for that. I'm super excited to go out there and battle against myself, against other racers, and just try to compete. You know, I, I'm new to this ultra marathon sport still. I've been doing it two or two and a half years, and that's not very tenured in this sport at all. I've learned a lot. I've trained a lot, and I've really put myself through a lot of different things getting ready for these races and trying to prepare myself to become a runner because I enjoy it so much. But segueing into the 200-mile distance is going to be something that's just totally uncharted territory for me, and I'm very excited. I wanted to do Cocodona this year. It wasn't in the cards for me, so I'm getting to go out and do some pacing um, and live a little bit vicariously through some of the people out there. But Taking on 225 is my Mount Everest of this year, if you will. It is my big goal. It is the thing that is going to drive me every day whenever I don't want to get out of bed, whenever I don't want to do the workouts, whenever I want to just eat like crap or go enjoy whatever it is that I shouldn't be doing, whether it's a beer or smoking cigars or doing all the things that guys like to do. I It gives me a reason to show up every day and put my best foot forward and try to be the best version of myself because that's what it's going to take to be successful. And that's why I want to run one of these ultra marathons of this distance. Now, last thing on that original list that I gave you was goals. And I set goals a little bit different than most people. I like to set different bars and not as an excuse to give myself a lower bar to shoot for compared to these other spots, but I like to set a bar that is the baseline. This is acceptable, then good, and then best. So I set a low bar, a middle bar, and a high bar. Starting from the bottom, guys, the low bar goal for this ultramarathon is completing the race. I want to make sure that I go out there and stay intentional enough to knock out 225 miles in 96 hours. Now, going up from that, guys, the middle bar, the middle level there, is that I want to go out and run this race in under 80 hours. Now, for somebody that has never ran a 225-mile ultramarathon or a 200-mile race, that's a decently lofty goal, especially with uh, 96 hours being the cutoff. I'm saying that my middle-of-the-road goal, if things go pretty average for me, I want to beat the cutoff by 16 hours. Next, beyond that, guys, the high bar for me, and this is way out there, but the high bar for me is finishing this 225-mile ultramarathon between 60 and 70 hours. That is a very lofty goal. That is a very, very talented group of runners that are going to compete in that time range. And I've always had it in me that if I'm going to put in the time and I'm going to put in the effort, 
I'm going to go out and I'm trying to compete and I'm trying to do my best whenever I do that. If I'm going to take on something or allow myself to get involved with something, I'm going to do the absolute best that I can. So the goal here is to put in the best training cycle that I can, put in all the work that I can to make sure that I'm prepared for this race in the best way possible. And then I'm going to have the crew I'm going to have the pacers. I'm going to have all those people helping me work towards this goal. And if everything goes right, I want to be in the top end of this race. There's 41 racers currently signed up for this race, and I would love to end up in the top 20%, top 10%, something like that, somewhere in that gap, depending on who's there, uh, depending on how everyone else competes, and how my body adapts to this new crazy uncharted territory. Like I said, that's a very lofty goal. Um, I have these three different goals whenever I'm in the moment and you actually get into all the factors and everything that's going on. I adjust my goals accordingly and make sure I'm aiming at the right one and still being realistic so I don't run myself in the dirt, but also so that I continue to push myself hard if one of those goals on the higher end is still attainable. So Guys, that's where it's at. Like I said, low bar is finishing, middle bar is 80 hours, and high bar is 60 to 70 hours. Now, we've gone through the what, where, when, who, why, and the goals of the KD225. So now let's dive into the training plan a little bit. So I'm going to pull up again with the assistance of some technology up here. You probably won't be able to see all the small numbers here, but I'm going to pull up my training plan and this thing is a doozy but whenever I start getting ready for this race I will have 24 weeks to prepare now I'm already running and I'm already working on getting in shape and preparing for pacing at Cocodona like I said so I'll have a little bit of a jump start on this but on the back side of recovering from pacing out there I plan to dive right into running again on May 8th. So that is the Monday whenever I get back. I will be working out for the first few months lifting three times a week in conjunction with this plan. Now, this thing leads me right up to the race. It's got my tapers planned in. It's got the regression weeks where I get to recover a little bit planned in. And it's got all my peaks right here in front of you. So I really want to dive into mileage now. So the first week, 24 weeks out from the race, I am going to work on getting 35 miles of running in for the week. My basic plan for a week starts out a little something like this. Monday, I've got a moderate length run. Tuesday is a longer run. Wednesday is a slower uh, paced recovery run from my long run. Thursday, I get into a little bit uh, more of a tempo run at a mid-length run. Friday, I bring that distance back down in preparation for Saturday. Saturday is usually my long run day, so first week I'm getting into 10 miles. And because I was able to hit the mileage total uh, without using the seventh day, I'm going to go ahead and take a rest day on Sunday. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to break down this entire chart full of numbers, but I wanted to give you that overview that it's really a moderate run on Monday, long run Tuesday, um, moderate to short run Wednesday, moderate Thursday, moderate Friday, 
long Saturday, and then typically a rest or very short recovery run on Sunday. Now, one thing I'll be doing differently that I haven't really done a whole lot of is I'll be mixing in a lot of hiking on this as well, because the truth of the matter is even the elite runners, whenever you're getting into 200 miles, 225 There is walking that is involved in these races. I don't know exactly what that ratio is going to look like yet for me, but I'm going to utilize that through some of my uh, lower mileage days, if you will. The threes, the fours, the fives. Some of those will be hiking days uh, by themselves. I'll be able to go out with a wife, possibly uh, do some different things, walk around the neighborhood park, but also some of these cool trails, maybe with some of my good friends down here in South Texas uh, and other areas, Southeast Texas as well. And uh, hopefully we can make this kind of a very enjoyable cycle as well on my hiking slash walking days. Now we run up from 35 all the way to about 65 before we take our first regression week at 18 weeks from the race. So that's about six weeks into my training plan. I'm going to step it back down from 65 to 50 there. And then the next week, I'm going to pick it right back up. By that point, I'm running in the mid teens for mileage, um, getting ready to come into July whenever we're going to be having our little one, um, putting in some bigger mileage weeks. I'll be somewhere between 70 and 85 mile weeks by the time we're having our little baby. Um, And I'm really excited about that, looking at some runs that are going to be 20 uh, to 25 miles in length for some of my longer runs. Lots of recovery style stuff in there, still mixing in the hiking, still mixing in the long run Tuesdays to help reach my mileage goals. But as we step up, guys, it looks like for me, peak week is going to be 100 miles, eight weeks out from the race. And the way I'm doing that, guys, is I'm implementing a couple of different strategies. Now, whenever you're getting ready for these long races, one of the most important things you can do is getting yourself ready and prepared and used to running on tired legs. So you'll see on here some of these races, uh, some of these race days uh, and, and runs that I have planned, we're looking at 32 miles on a Saturday followed by 15 on a Sunday. So it's really, it's back-to-back long runs of getting myself used to running on tired legs, like I said. But as we get to peak week, I actually am stealing a strategy from some of the great runners out there that have done these before. They've advised you do a back-to-back-to-back run. So on, I guess that would be week 16, about eight weeks out from the race, we will be doing back-to-back-to-back marathon-length runs. That's at least the plan right now. Now, there's going to be a lot of different factors that are going to make that subject to change. The most important thing I can do throughout this duration is make sure that I'm healthy. I can make sure that I'm taking care of myself. I'm not having injuries. I'm not overtraining, but I am putting myself into a groove to where I'm going to start heading in the right direction and make sure that I'm more than prepared for this race. Now, along with this, guys, with all this running, Uh, somewhere probably in the 10 week out mark or somewhere in there, I will be dropping off weightlifting completely. Uh, I'm going to get into some of these longer weeks and let myself really stretch it out without the pressure of also putting my body through these weightlifting regimens. And then after that, guys, week 10, we peak at a hundred and then we immediately start tapering down pretty hard. 
I intentionally want to give myself about seven weeks of a good taper. There's going to be some good long runs still in there. There's going to be some almost 20-mile runs in there through September leading towards October. Um, and as you can see, we start to fill up with a lot of different rest days as we get to the end of September and on into October. The reason being, guys, is not because I want to end the training cycle early. I love high-volume weeks, and I love putting myself through some of these long runs. Uh, but the truth is, I have found that I do much better whenever I taper off early and I focus on recovery. I focus on coming into a race healthy without different injuries, without um, putting myself through the ringer over and over and over and that's really my goal here, guys. 225 miles is nothing to to come in and underestimate. So my biggest goal is getting down to where I am running almost next to nothing the last couple of weeks before this race. And like I said, I really want to get into this thing. I really want to look at it for what it is. And that is a huge, huge undertaking that's going to be very challenging and is going to be something that I have to get really involved in and really intentional with. Now, along with that, guys, uh, we talked about the taper. We talked about some regression weeks in there. I've got a couple of regression weeks planned where I step the mileage back down to give my body time to recover and get used to the load that it's undertaking. But a few of the strategies, we talked about back-to-back -back long runs. We talked about back-to-back-to-back -back -back long runs. But I'm also going to be mixing in some speed work, some hills. I'll be running on trails. I like going to where I can tie in a little bit of elevation um, and get into some different terrain. I really enjoy running on trail systems that are pretty, that are fun to look at, because I think the worst thing you can do for yourself is put yourself on a boring run where you're just slogging it out on the same little loop that you've had to do or on a track for that matter as well. Now, like I said, guys, I'll be mixing in a variety of hiking and running. I'll even have some split days on here as well, uh, depending on how time constraints work. But there's going to be a lot of difference in this training. It's going to be majorly focused on, yes, high volume and making sure I'm getting myself prepared, but focusing on recovery, focusing on making sure I'm going into this thing healthy and I'm not overworking myself too close to this race. Last thing we'll talk about on the training plan, guys, is that there are some notable things that we have to remember. And when I say we, I have to say I, because it's going to be very important to know that I've got a crazy plan here that is probably going to be thrown out the window at some point. And what I mean by that, guys, is we are having a baby in July. We are going to be preparing for having a baby in July from this point going forward throughout this training cycle. We've also got the habanero relay in the middle of this thing where we're going to be running with a bunch of people and helping out. We've got a variety of events. We've got some weddings. We've got a baby shower. We've got just a lot of events that we're involved in with other people as well. So this schedule is going to get absolutely hectic and honestly, this is something that is more of a guideline than a set in stone rule. It's very important to make sure that you take care of yourself and that you're taking care of business and not just burying yourself in one of these run plans and potentially hurting yourself because you had 20 miles on the books today and even though your ankles hurting, your hips blown out and you got all these other things, by golly, I'm going to make myself go run 20 miles. No, don't go do that. 
Make sure you take care of yourself. Make sure you're giving yourself grace. There's plenty of wiggle room in here. This thing is the perfect schedule for trying to get me ready uh, based off of my experience in the past ultra marathons that I've been at. Um, of course, I have no clue how it's going to tie into this 20 or sorry, 200 mile race, but guys, it's just part of it. So that is the ins and outs of my training schedule. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you all about guys is this is a little bit different than I've ever had to deal with. I don't know what I'm going to do with sleep just yet. I don't know how I'm going to adapt to running 225 miles, but I am very, very eager to dive into it. And the other thing that I'm not really used to per se is that there's a required gear list for this ultra marathon. You're required to have long sleeve, uh, insulated jacket on you at all times. You're required to have at least a thousand milliliters of water, a head covering that covers your ears, something to cover your legs, gloves, a space blanket or emergency bivy, a charged cell phone or watch that has the GPS of the course, a headlamp, a tracking device, and that's it for the required gear. But that's so much stuff that I'm not used to carrying that this is going to be a completely different ball game. I've got a lot of things to buy, a lot of things to prepare, and honestly, I really need to start training with carrying a lot of that extra stuff as it does add a bunch of weight. Now, that's just the required gear. That's going to be on top of the food supplies that I carry. That's going to be on top of the batteries that I carry for headlamps. It's going to be the waterproof gear that I carry, the additional water, all the supplements and crazy stuff. So it's going to be very hectic. It's going to be very different than I've really had to dive into before, but I am overly excited about diving into this ultra marathon. I'm super excited for this crazy training schedule. I'm very excited to be in Missouri in October with some fantastic people running on the Katy Trail, trying to complete 225 miles and really seeing what I am capable of doing. Now, we'll see how the rest of the training cycle goes. Like I said, we've got some craziness. We've got all kinds of things that are going to undoubtedly occur uh, to throw wrenches in the gears and to change things up. But even with all that, guys, I'm stoked to be out here and have this opportunity. And like I said, I'm just, I'm very excited and very glad that I get to share this opportunity with y'all. I get to share this journey and hopefully inspire some of y'all to take on your own challenges as well and to test the limits of where you're meant to be and who you're meant to be in this life, maybe, guys. So don't hesitate to reach out, guys. Let me know if I can help you in some way. Let me know if you got any questions, comments, concerns about anything you've heard here with this crazy race plan. If somebody's listening that is just a stud of an ultra marathon coach, and they want to throw something my way where I'm about to absolutely screw myself up on this 225-mile training plan, by all means, bring it on. Call me. I could use all the help we can get. But we're super excited about it, guys. Remember, always try to be the best version of yourself. Set goals for yourself and chase them down. That's what I'm doing right here, guys. And always be prepared for whatever is next in line.